It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, is Gary Trent Jr. the secret to making the Raptors into a functional basketball team? It sure looked that way last night as they fell to the Bulls 113-99. We will talk about that and what the absence of Trent meant. Plus, we will talk about some guys who did perform quite well, even in a tough loss. Pascal Siakam, Chris Boucher among those. And we've, of course, got the dude of the game to hand out to someone who has really rounded into form over the last couple weeks here and deserves some credit for that. All that and so much more on today's episode of Lockdown Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1143 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, March the 22nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast, the odd short little recap video after games as well, if you want to go follow the account there. And you can subscribe to, follow, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and all the audio apps. And on YouTube, we've had a nice little surge of subscribers lately and i think we're over seven straight videos uh, over a thousand views which is lovely thank you so much for uh, listening and supporting the show and watching on video you are wonderful all right on today's show we have got some stuff to talk about when it comes to a loss against the chicago bulls last night 113 99 after a pretty inspired first half honestly by the raptors a really strong second quarter things looked like they might stand a chance of turning out pretty positively for the raptors despite the absences of gary trent jr and og and anobi but alas the second half came around and the what is it the eighth game of nine on the road really seemed to kind of catch up to the raptors legs here 
you know, just a bizarre stretch of schedule. They go from Toronto to Cleveland to San Antonio to Phoenix to Denver on a back-to-back to L.A. for a couple days to hang out in the sun, then back to Toronto and then over to Philly and Chicago for a back-to-back that took place starting times at least within the span of 24 hours, which uh, seems like it should be illegal. And I don't know why we're tailoring NBA schedules to the whims of the Philadelphia Flyers in their afternoon hockey games. But here we are. And that is the predicament the Raptors found themselves in. And honestly, you know, the way they kind of gutted it out for the first half was pretty encouraging. But in the second half, the fatigue very clearly was there. They just had no legs on defense whatsoever. Scotty Barnes was gassed. It seemed like the entire night just didn't quite have the touch. Only went three of nine. And he was like visibly panting at a lot of sections of this game. I don't know how Pascal Siakam maintained the energy to keep going at the Bulls defense the way he did. Because he has been playing, obviously, insane minutes with an insane burden on both ends of the floor. You know, he was one of the bright spots. We'll get to him in the second segment. But uh, just, uh, you know, they did not have the gas whatsoever down the stretch of this one. And honestly, it was kind of a telling game. And I do think it kind of says a lot about what this Raptors team is capable of when they don't have all their guys. And it's honestly not much. You know, there's a lot of good things going on. They can pull out big wins against good teams, you know, here and there. But sustainably speaking, it's just not there if you don't have Gary Trent Jr. And, of course, OG Ananobi, who, my God... Please, OG, just come back, do a little HGH in the finger, do some weird experimental surgery. I don't know. They need OG to be back in a big-time way, um, in particular last night. The defense on the perimeter, I mean, DeMar DeRozan has himself a vintage DeMar DeRozan game, 11 of 14, 26 points, was just incredible. Carved up the Raptors pretty much all night long. And, you know, when you have a hobbled Fred Van Vliet, who's not moving terribly well right now, and you don't have OG Ananobi to be your number one you know, gatekeeper on the wings. Plus you're missing Gary Trent Jr. Who's such a massive steals engine for this team. I mean, the Raptors just got five steals last night. That is not going to cut it for a team that really thrives off of live ball turnovers. You know, they just did not have the horses to contend with the Levine and Vucevic. You know, I guess Vucevic was not that great, but Levine and uh, DeRozan combination. Like there's just not much you can do about those guys. And they go for 26 each on efficient shooting. As a result, you know, Scotty Barnes, I mentioned his fatigue. He just did not have it laterally to kind of stay in front of those guys, especially Levine. It just was like, you know, he got away with it a little bit against Harden because the Raptors did a good job of kind of collapsing on Sunday night and getting back and protecting the rim after Barnes would allow the initial penetration. They did not have such a uh, disciplined backline of defense in this one, and it really, really burned them. And, you know, I think obviously Scotty Barnes, we talked about his defensive struggles at times this season. He's obviously done some amazing things on defense as well. I think most of the time, the really good Scotty stuff has either come when he's been playing as a big and has been the last line of defense, or when he's been kind of a roving sort of chaos creator, a steel hawk, all that stuff kind of playing off the ball on the weak side, really taking advantage of sort of dangerous and risky passes that teams throw cross court when the Raptors throw double teams and whatnot. He's obviously been quite good as a double teamer as well because he's so freaking long, but as a straight up one-on-one defender... He just doesn't have the lateral movement right now, and you're just not getting the most out of him when you're having to throw him onto all of these really high-octane scoring guards and wings. It's just not his perfect situation. But without Gary Trent Jr. and without OG Ananobi, he was kind of the only choice because we know how important Siakam has been to the back line of the defense. He is like their best help defender. He's the guy who kind of orchestrates everything in the back. He's the guy who gets mad at people when things go wrong, as he should. He's he's like the the like the sage wise man of the defense. Uh, so you have to kind of use Scotty in those situations on the perimeter, and it just did not work last night. 
And again, it kind of speaks, you know, obviously the loss of OG has been massive and not having him to kind of throw on to a guy who's on a heater, like, for example, DeMar DeRozan, you think back to Trey Young, guys he shut down so far this season, that that's huge. But I think, honestly, last night, the offense was even more of a problem. They really, really struggled to score. They had like a six-minute stretch in the third quarter where they did not get a field goal. And that, to me, is a symptom of no Gary Trent Jr. And to me, like... Gary Trent Jr. is in a lot of ways like the most sort of, I don't want to say expendable, but like the least tied to the future of the team of the main core guys, while also being the most important engine for this team to ensure it's operating kind of healthily and in a proper ecosystem because of the shooting he brings and because of the shot making he offers. You know, he can kind of bail out the team in a way that nobody else really can. And if you had a couple of bailout buckets from Gary Trent Jr. last night in the third quarter, maybe we're talking about a different game just some numbers to kind of illustrate and i've gone to these numbers and variations of them throughout the season but just to illustrate how important the gary trent jr has been to this team first of all he's missed 10 games this season the raptors are two and eight in those games uh if you remove the game where they lost by 45 to the Cavs, which is a fake game because they had no players available on boxing day uh the raptors have lost the remaining nine games in that list by an average of 5.6 points that's just uh th that's a bad team like that's just the this the mark of a bad team is losing games by five or more points every night uh the offense gets eight points worse per 100 possessions when he sits he's as much of a driver of the offense as pascal siakam is when they're on the floor they both have 113.7 offensive rating when on the court it drops down to 105.3 i believe or 105.5 when gary Trent jr sits uh and then they also just lose a lot of the stuff that makes them effective when he's on the floor obviously pascal's playmaking gets hurt a lot because he's not passing to guys who can knock down 40 percent three point the uh, three-point rate all the time when you're missing og and trent and also you know trent is a big driver of the transition game because he's such a hawk for steals because he can you know force those live ball turnovers with his gambles and look he gets burned for them sometimes but they often pay off we've seen that quite a bit the raptors average 17 fast break points for 100 100 possessions with gary trent jr on the floor same as pascal siakam you drop him off and the he's not on the floor they go to 14 points per 100 possessions in transition just point one more than siakam those two guys very very intertwined and i don't think it's a surprise that things get a little bit trickier for siakam when Gary Trent's not around. We'll talk about Siakam and why he's still brilliant and amazing and all of that in just a second. But um, just that, that kind of illustrates you're not getting a whole lot done without Gary Trent Jr. on this team right now. With the way they're constructed, the way they rely on his shooting and shot making, it's just tough to overcome that loss in particular. You know, obviously, Fred Van Vliet is a concern here too. You know, he mentioned after the game that he's just not quite feeling right. The back-to-back -back rest days not really working for him either. He still thinks he can get there. I have no idea what to make of this whole thing. I don't know if the best call is to sit him for two weeks and just see if it gets better. I don't know if the best call is to just let him play through it because he can't make it worse and he's not going to make it better in time for the playoffs. I'm not a doctor. I'll trust the Raptors medical staff on this one and trust Fred Van Vliet on this one. Uh, but it's certainly concerning. And that is kind of the big story for the Raptors over the last 10 games here is, is Fred Van Vliet healthy? Is his knee going to work for him? Is he going to be able to not hobble up and down the floor in these games? And if not, I mean, things get really, really tricky for the Raptors. They'll still have a fighting chance, you know, to play in game or whatever, or to make some noise and not win a series necessarily without Fred, but annoy a team enough to win a game or two probably. But, you know, if you want any sort of grand designs of making it to the second round with a crazy upset, 
no Fred Van Vliet is going to mean a no-go for that kind of pipe dream, even if that is a bit of a long shot anyway at the moment. So, uh, yeah, Raptors got to get their guys back. I don't know what the answer is. Hopefully Trent can come back soon. Hopefully OG can come back in the next week or so here. We have no idea. I guess the next check-in on his th- – I think it's been like Wednesdays they've been checking in on his busted finger. Maybe we get some good news this week. Hard to say, but without Trent, without OG, without Fred. And look, this is not like some grand like proclamation. That's three of their five best players. Like, of course, they need those guys to be effective and to be really, uh, you know, it's just you don't have the next man up thing that you can actually kind of lean on when it comes to these guys. Like, they're too important. They do skills that are too singular to them on the roster that you can't just have Scotty Barnes take on a big part of the burden. You can't just have someone else take Gary Trent Jr.'s shots or Fred Van Vliet's pull-ups because – no one can do it like they do. And those those particular skills are so valuable to the Raptors in the way they want to play. So they've put themselves in a tough spot, uh, you know, margin of error wise with not having a ton of depth on the roster in terms of, you know, shooting and stuff like that. But even if they had, you know, extra shooters on the bench, not having OG Trent or 100% Fred is uh, going to be a problem. As it turns out, injuries, bad. Uh, we're going to continue on. We're going to talk about someone who is good, Pascal Siakam, in just one second. And why I think... Even though he has played an All-NBA level, I'm a little bit worried about whether he's going to make All-NBA or not. We're going to get to that in just a second. We're also going to talk about Chris Boucher. And I also just kind of want to muse on the Raptors-Bulls matchup that we kind of got to miss out on entirely this this season. And I'm bummed about it because I think it's a fun matchup. We got that coming up in just a sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. It's that time of year again. College basketball's tournaments are finally upon us, both on the men's and women's sides. And from the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And BetOnline is not just basketball. You can do every sport under the sun. you got Vegas casino games, live betting, all that good stuff. For example, maybe you're a Toronto Blue Jays person like I am. I talk about the Blue Jays on this podcast a lot because I adore them. They are the team I love the most in addition to the Raptors. And I am very excited about their chances this season. If you want to put some money down on them to win the World Series, on Vlad Jr. to win the MVP, anything like that, you can go to Bet Online. It is your spot. They'll give you all the info you need before you place that bet. Go and do it. It's Bet Online. It is where the game starts. Head to their website today to try them out and learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online. And today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Athletic Greens. You may be asking, you, Sean, you've been talking about this Athletic Greens stuff for a little while here. What's it all about? Well, it's about giving you insurance that you're actually eating right and getting the proper nutrients that we as human beings need every single day. I've been watching this show alone a lot lately. It's a, it's a history channel program. They send a bunch of people out into the woods and they are like, oh, we, we got to survive here on our own for however long. And the winner gets like half a million bucks or whatever. It's truly wild. And these people lose so much weight. They have no nutrients. And I've just been thinking watching this show. What if, you know, they get 10 items to bring out to the field with them to help them survive? What if they got a just a little like month-long pack of athletic greens as one of their options? Because they would be getting all the nutrients their body needs in one little scoop mixed with water. And they always have water. They're on lakes and stuff like that and rivers. They have full access to it. Athletic greens would be the key to winning 
uh, alone. I, I might go do it based on uh, on that. I can't do anything, any, any other things to affect survival. I can't build shelters. I can't build fires. I can't hunt food. But I could have myself some athletic greens and outlast the competition alone. Watch it. Great show. Either way, a great product is Athletic Greens and AG1. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, and it tastes pretty good, too. It kind of tastes like bubblegum. Uh, at least... I, I've had different people say it tastes like different things, and maybe it's just kind of an in the eye of the beholder thing. But either way, AG1 is a great way to support mental clarity. It's going to wake you up. It's going to help you be alert. And you're going to know throughout the day, hey, I want to eat that thing there that looks pretty unhealthy. But I had athletic greens in the morning. I had my AG1, so I know I'm set to go. Highly recommend you go and check them out. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes and trusted leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Ooh, go and check out Athletic Greens right now. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NBA network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day here, Locked on Raptors. Uh, and we're going to talk about some box score notes, run through some of the uh, items that I kind of jotted down in my notes app last night watching the game, as we usually do in sort of the second segment of these solo game recap episodes. Uh, I just have to really take a second to appreciate Pascal Siakam, who, if you think about last season, for example, he was playing a lot of games last year under sort of similar circumstances to the one that he was playing last night where he's missing two of his three best shooters and OG and Trent. There's a lot of attention being paid his way. He's forced to give up the ball quite a bit because extra bodies are coming his way, especially in the second half as the bulls really keyed in on, Oh wow. Nikola Vucevic cannot stop this guy whatsoever. We should probably do something about this. And so they did and it got tricky, but Siakam continues to be just, he's unbelievable, man. He's just finding ways to put the ball in the bucket against whatever defense is coming his way. And last night, he probably has like, I don't know, eight, nine assists if things go a little bit more to plan with the way that he was playmaking, the way that he was, you know, feeding off of the double teams that came his way in the second half. Like he, he's just, he's a very good player. Yes, he had four turnovers. That's not ideal, but that's like the high end of turnovers for Pascal Siakam. And for him to put up an efficient 22 on eight of 14, got to the line for six of eight in a game where the ecosystem around him was just not at all conducive to success successful offense uh, I think speaks to how bloody good he's been that said you know kind of just reading the tea leaves a little bit the end the all NBA discussion now with 10 games to go all NBA is kind of being talked about a little bit more and I think Raptors fans might have prepared prepare themselves for the fact that Pascal Siakam is probably not going to make it and that stinks because he deserves it he's a better player than he was back in 2019-20 when he was second team all NBA but there are factors at play. There are a lot of very good players in the NBA, as it turns out. And I don't think it's some sort of slight against the Raptors if Siakam doesn't make All-NBA. I think he should. I think he's fantastic. I mean, the episode of the low post that kind of inspired this thought in me uh, yesterday with uh, Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz, they were kind of going through their, their respective All-NBA teams. Siakam was very, very briefly touched upon, but not really. Um you know, Kevin Arnovitz ended up having DeMontis Sabonis as his second forward on his third team. And I think 100% Siakam's had a better season than DeMontis Sabonis and has done so on a much better team, which I think matters to some degree. You're looking to tell the story of the NBA this season. And I think Pascal Siakam's far more integral to the story of the 2021-22 NBA than DeMontis Sabonis is. 
But the way that Arnovitz is, and go listen to the podcast if you haven't, you know, Lowe and Arnovitz are great. Uh, but the way that Arnovitz kind of built his team out, he, you know, had some weird positional stuff, you know, guards, forwards, what's going on. Zach Lowe did not have Siakam on his team. Uh, and look, this is all sort of preliminary stuff. There's still 10 games left. It can all kind of change. But it's just a very loaded field when it comes, especially to forwards. Like, it's just like rock solid across the board. And of course, the Jokic and Bede thing is troublesome as well because those two guys, uh, you know, they are both going to be eligible, it sounds like, at forward and center. And in theory, they should both be on the first team. They're both incredible. They're two of the three best players in the NBA this season, probably probably finishing one, two, and MVP. It's really dumb if they're not both on the first team. Get rid of positions altogether, please. Um, and, and so if the voters end up putting Jokic uh, as a forward or Embiid as a forward to kind of push everybody else down a little bit, that means Kevin Durant sliding down to the second team that means you know is Luka Doncic a forward or a guard is Devin Booker gonna, or Donovan Mitchell going to make it to push Luka to the forward because people want him on there that's a troublesome thing as well you've got LeBron of course who is averaging 30 points a game and is going to be there for the legacy of it all as he probably should be I, I think that's a totally fine read of the situation I'm not like beholden to the numbers necessarily with all NBA I think narrative is fine um, and then you get to Jason Tatum and DeMar DeRozan, who's a forward, and you're running out of forward spots already. And I just think it's going to be tricky to get Siakam on there. But that does not mean he is not deserving, that he is not incredible, that he cannot be a part of this Raptors team's bid to win a championship under the Scotty Barnes banner at some point here in the next couple of years or the Pascal Siakam banner. Both are incredible. He's still the best player on the team as it stands right now. If Barnes supersedes him at some point, it's going to be a good problem because, oh no, we have too many excellent six foot nine ball handling forwards. What are we going to do? It's not a problem if Siakam doesn't make all NBA. And I just want to kind of like tone people down before the fear comes. It's not because he's not been incredible or because people don't recognize what he's done. The Raptors are seventh in the Eastern Conference in a league with a lot of really good players and a lot of good teams this season that are going to be deserving of awards and credit on the all NBA teams. I think it's a bummer the way it's going to shake out. If it does happen where one of DeRozan or Tatum or whoever can move up to the second team because of the forward you know, position distinction thingy, maybe that makes it possible for Siakam to slide in as the sixth forward, which I think would be totally fair. He probably has been something around the sixth or seventh best forward in the league this season. Um, but again, with the way the positions seem fluid, with the Embiid-Jokic kind of you know fulcrum at the top of the thing kind of flowing everything from it, I think it's going to be pretty tricky for Siakam to make it. Um, you know, you could maybe make an argument that he could be the third team center. Uh, I, I don't know if I would honestly do that because he's not really playing as a center defensively, maybe, but he's been more or less a point guard for the Raptors for long stretches of this season. Yes, he's been a screener at times, but it's often been, um, you know, he, he's not occupying the role of traditional center on this team. That's Ken Birch. That's Preston Achua. That's more Scotty Barnes in the, in the small ball starting five. Um, so I, I just, again, Pascal Siakam's incredible. You don't have to tell me twice. He's been someone who I've been extremely high on for many years through all the downtimes and have been very happy this season to be entirely vindicated by my faith and support of Pascal Siakam's overall quality as a player. Um, but I do think Raptors fans probably got to steal themselves a little bit for the fact that there's just not going to be enough space to get Siakam on for a seventh place team in the Eastern Conference. It's just the way that works. Would I have him on? Probably I'd find a way to do it. I think he's been that good. But I also have to acknowledge that I have my own biases built in as well. And I haven't watched all these other guys as much as I have Siakam. 
Um, so yeah, I don't want to be a bummer or anything like that. And it shouldn't be like Siakam's had an incredible season and Raptors fans know that ultimately that should be what matters most. It's kind of the Kyle Lowry thing, right? You know, everyone else was kind of missing out on what an amazing player Kyle Lowry was. Would it be nice if people recognized it on a broader sense? Sure. But is it way better to kind of have that sort of deep, deep little secret to know, Hey man, this guy kicks ass and he plays for our team. Uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good way to go about it, too. So uh, just prepare yourselves for disappointment. And hey, maybe he gets on because he's been incredible and he would be deserving if he did. Everyone who makes the team will be deserving unless like James Harden makes it. Uh, everyone who makes the team will be deserving as well. It's not a, well, no one cares about the Raptors thing. It's a, you know, there's only 15 spots and there's only so much room on the All-NBA teams. So we're, and also, by the way, uh, Kyle Lowry should have made it in 2019-20 over Siakam. But that is for another day. Uh, we're going to uh, – I was going to hand out some love to Chris Boucher. But I, instead, I'm just going to hand out a dual due-to-the-game award on the other side. Uh, a a co-dudes, if you will. Uh, we will do that to round out the show. And I also just want to talk a little bit about the Raptors and Bulls and the matchup that we've not really gotten to see on the greatest stage so far this season. We're going to finish up with that. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning from your mechanic? Why are they being so intimidating about it? It's just car parts when you can just go and pick the parts that you want from rockauto.com. They are amazing, and they're offering you prices that are way cheaper than you're going to get at your typical chain store or your, your Canadian Tire or whatever horrible place is trying to sell you too much money for things. Unless Canadian Tire sponsors the podcast one day, which I don't think they will. Uh, don't go there. Go to rockauto.com instead. For example, if you go to your typical chain store or car dealership, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump, just to pull an example from thin air and not from the copy whatsoever, is going to run you about 353 bucks from a chain store at Rock Auto, you can get the same exact part for $216. That's $140 you can spend on other things that are not uh, car parts. No one wants to spend money in their car. It's a way to get from point A to point B, and uh, you shouldn't have to put extra dollars into it as it's not something where you're living in. It's a horrible asset. It depreciates all the time. Don't be spending more on your car than you have to. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on there. Had you hear about his box and know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we round out the show with co-dudes of the game, and those two dudes are going to be Chris Boucher and Kem 
Birch. I really enjoyed the games both of these guys played last night. It's a bummer that the Raptors lost this effort and those were kind of lost to history. But, you know, Boucher continues the trend of coming into games and being instantly the spark plug that wakes up the Raptors from slow starts. He has to be Nick Nurse's favorite dude right now. Uh, and I, even last night, he he got some love from Nick Nurse after uh, picking up a foul. He thought it was a, a charge that he drew. It was not. Uh, but Nick Nurse tried to challenge it for him after like six, seven, eight, nine times over the last couple of weeks of Boucher looking for the challenge, doing the little review thing. And uh, Nick Nurse just being like, eh, I don't know if I trust you so much there, Chris. I'll trust Siakam or Fred when they think it's wrong, but I don't know about trusting you. He trusted him last night. He got it wrong, but I actually kind of liked giving him the bone there. He's been playing so well lately. Why not? uh hand a dude uh, a challenge when he's calling for it after he's playing his ass off for you for the better part of the last five months or whatever it's been um you know boucher really good 19 points 10 boards uh again fully entrenched in i think what the plans for the team should be next season if they intend to continue playing this style of basketball maybe just like a more upgraded and more slightly versatile version of it with a little extra shooting hopefully next season um then i think boucher has to be on the team he, he's just he's really really valuable to what they want to do his offensive rebound and his defense are just two things that the Raptors desperately need from guys that size like that that's just the way they want to play the way they try to game the system here Chris Boucher does all of that um you know he had four offensive rebounds last night once again he just continues to slam the offensive glass he's really really good he's been super effective he's clearly the dude or at least one of the dudes at the game the other one I'm going to hand out to Ken Birch, who played in this game 30 minutes, started 5 of 9 from the field, 11 points, 7 boards, 4 assists, probably his most complete game of the season, honestly. Like, he looked like the part, right? He was knocking down those floaters with pretty good efficiency. He was uh, even spacing out to the corners. He missed two corner threes, but he was eagerly putting them up when he was wide open because the defense was leaving him as such. You know, I don't know if I would have the floor oriented in a way where Ken Birch is in the corner versus someone like Precious Achua, who was 0-5 last night, by the way. That regression hits hard. Uh, the Raptors overall, 6 of 32 from 3. Not awesome. Armani Brooks, shout out to you, 2 of 5. We love Armani Brooks here. Um, but yeah, I, I think Ken Birch looked a lot more comfortable. We've talked about this last little while here. You know, three weeks ago, I was pretty much ready to excise him entirely from the rotation. He's been really nice, though, lately. He's kind of found that niche in the middle of the offense. He's been a really great screener for both Siakam and Fred, which, you know, love Precious Achua, but the man has barely made contact with a single defender on a screen this season. Ken Birch, he lets you know he's there with his chest. And so, yeah, really enjoyed Ken last night. Him and Boucher, pretty effective, all told. You know, had there been more shooting to dot around them, probably a little bit more effective. Um, but still, a really nice game overall. And Birch had a couple of really nice sequences of playmaking as well. I mean, the Raptors actually whipped the ball around quite a bit in this game. That might be one of the sort of, uh, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if assists are good or bad, honestly. We've yet to really determine that. You, you look at the assist percentage teams and, you know, some really good ones, some really bad ones have low assist percentages. I don't really know. Um, but I think with Gary Trent Jr. out of the lineup, there's a little bit more uh, free happy passing probably and we saw some nice big to big stuff a really beautiful uh quick pass from ken birch late in the clock to chris boucher for a dunk that was nice um overall really nice stuff from ken birch happy to see he's kind of rounding into form here and if he can play like this i mean there's no reason to not continue playing him starting him i don't know if i would do that once they're back and fully healthy if they're ever back and fully healthy which i guess i suppose is becoming more of an if than a when um but yeah glad to see ken birch has kind of found himself he's a valuable piece of this rotation if he's playing like he was last night i also just want to close off on one quick thought on the raptors and the bulls kind of as a whole uh i like 
these two teams a lot. I, I like the way that they're built. I like that they have like a different sort of style. Uh, styles make fights. My biggest sort of issue with like the mid aughts of the NBA is every team trying to play the exact same way was not really my favorite thing. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of diversification here in terms of how teams are operating. And the Bulls and the Raptors are really polar opposites. The Bulls, not a terribly stout defensive team. When they play small, they play pretty small. The Raptors, when they play small, actually play huge, don't really have a lot of shooting, don't have the shot creation that the Bulls have, but they have the wing defenders to potentially give them problems at full health. But that's the problem is we never saw these teams play at full health this season at all. And that bums me out because I do think, you know, when you're kind of tearing out the Eastern Conference at full health, I probably put the Nets up in like the top tier when they're fully healthy. Obviously, Kevin Durant's a monster. Um, you know, when they have Kyrie available, they score a bazillion points per 100 possessions, all of that. You know, I'd probably tear it out as like the top five are the Bucks, the Heat, the Sixers, the Celtics, and the Nets. And then that next tier, you know, six, seven, eight, I think is pretty obviously Raptors, Bulls, Cavs in some order. You know, I might take the fully healthy Raptors over both of these teams, honestly. You know, we have to see. But again, we haven't seen the Raptors play either of those teams at full health at all this season. Hopefully we get some semblance of full health on Thursday. I would imagine we're not getting OG Ananobi back, but maybe there's a surprise return there. You're not getting Jared Allen, of course, either for the Cavs. So you're not going to have the full complement of guys. But, you know, both of those matchups are really fun ones to me that we haven't gotten to see at all this year. We're probably not going to get to see them unless, you know, some weird playing, you know, circumstance where the Nets or the Hornets who have won five in a row climb up into sixth and you get, you know, Raptors, Cavs in a six or seven, eight or whatever. I don't think that's terribly likely, probably more or less impossible at this point, statistically speaking. But, you know, I, I just, I'm a, I'm a little bummed that we went this whole season without seeing a proper Raptors Bulls matchup. And all these games were pretty compelling, except for the last one last night. Uh, you know, a 111 108 win for the Bulls against the Raptors in the first week of the season with no Pascal Siakam. They had their full complement of Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, their two most important defenders available for that one. Uh, then you have January 26, 111 105 Bulls. The Raptors do not have in that game Fred Van Vliet. And you could see, like, that was a really troublesome offensive performance that was one of pascal siakam's worst games of the season just 12 points on three of 12 in 44 minutes uh you know og had himself a nice game gary trent had one of his heater games in that one but they just did not have enough offensive juice the bulls on the other hand in that one did not have either of their very good defensive wings you get the third game where the raptors win 127 120 on february the third that was of course that stretch where the raptors won against all those really good teams in the east uh, or good to important or to i don't know the heat the hawks the hornets the bulls who knows how good any of those teams are in actuality i mean obviously the heat are amazing but everyone else still unreally not totally sure on what they are but um anyway the bulls did not have their again their best wing defenders for that game the raptors did not have uh og and Anobi. no they did they were healthy for that game never mind it was a fully healthy raptors team against the bulls without their two most important defenders not exactly a fair fight and then last night of course no fred no og no gary and uh still missing lonzo ball and it sounds like ball might be up for a while still for the bulls which sucks um so yeah we, we kind of missed out on a, what could have been a really fun you know, a little trio of teams, honestly, Bulls, Cavs, Raptors had all these teams not been really hit by injuries this season. And hey, it was COVID season. Like maybe next year we see these teams and all teams kind of maintain health a little bit more effectively and not lose guys for long stretches as they kind of get back to conditioning and real basketball and all that. Um, but yeah, I feel a little bit sad that we didn't get to properly see Raptors, Bulls, Raptors, Cavs, the, that sort of triangle of teams ever play each other at full health this year. It's a bummer, but um, still, you know, the, 
good stuff either way. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, I've enjoyed all the Raptors Bulls games except for last night, even with the lack of health for, for both sides. They've been pretty competitive all year. Um, just a quick read on the standings, of course, as, the, uh, as we round out the show here, just to update you, I suppose, with our daily race for the sixth seed conversation. The Raptors now uh, 40 and 32, one game back of the Cavaliers, 41 and 31, who lost to the, to the Lakers last night. Bless you, LeBron James, for always taking an opportunity for a performative win to build your myth. Uh, beating the Cavs, you knew he was going to do that. Um, the Bulls, 42 and 29, one fewer game played than both of those teams. They, of course, have a very difficult schedule. They play the Bucks tonight, so it could be just two games back for the Raptors instead of two and a half by the time we talk on tomorrow's podcast. So it's all still to play for here. The Raptors don't have the tiebreaker against either of these teams now, which is a problem for sure. But I am done predicting which loss spells the doom of the race for the sixth seed because this stuff changes nonstop. These teams have not been terribly consistent. They're losing games that they should win. They're winning games that they should lose. It's kind of been impossible to predict. So I'm going to stop trying to predict when the race for the sixth seed is concluded because it's just not. And they're only a game back to the Cavs. They beat them on Thursday. They're tied up with the tiebreaker still in the Cavs' hands, but um, you know that opens up that race for the six all, all new. And you know the, the Bulls have 11 games left. They have the toughest schedule in the league, or at least they did at last check. And they played their first good game in a long time last night. They were really, really spinning their wheels before that. I'm not convinced they're just going to go and rattle off, you know, an eight and two record to close the season, eight and three. You know, if the Bulls only go five and, and six to close the year, that gets them to 47 wins. And I'm not saying the Raptors are going to go eight and two to finish the season, but they do finish with eight of the last 10 games at home with fans in the building. Some tough games in there, some easy ones in there for sure. Um, you know, I don't think eight and two is a reasonable thing to predict, but if they can go seven and three, there's still an outside shot at pass passing both of these teams, really, if things break right. So again, done predicting any of it. I'm just going to let it happen the way it is. I'm going to scoreboard watch and do the fun thing and stop trying to imagine when, in fact, the race for the six seed is over and when to turn the attention of the 7-8 play in because that is far from being decided with 10 games to go for these teams, 11 for the Bulls. With that, going to round up the show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to me yammer on all day about a loss to the Bulls. Hopefully it was informative. I appreciate you tuning in. As always, please go and check out Locked on NBA is your second listen of the day after making us your first, of course. Locked on NBA, they're wonderful. Every single night, a new set of dudes filling, in you, filling you in on what happened the night before, breaking down all the action from the previous night's slate of NBA games. So go and support that podcast both on the uh, YouTube and on the podcast apps. You can subscribe to this podcast on YouTube and all the podcast apps as well for the low, low price of On The House. We'll be back again tomorrow. Topic and guest TBD. Not yet decided what we're going to do. It's a couple off days here, man. I'm just taking a breather before I do more planning. So uh, that'll be up. Of course, we've got the Cavs coming up on Thursday. I'll be at that game. So we'll have a recap podcast on Friday with, uh, you know, the in-person perspective of the same thing everyone else is watching. But hey, it's in person, baby. That's, good. That's clout. Uh, we're going to round it out. Talk to you on Wednesday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Bye. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast.
Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 